You're going to at least hear a cricket on this podcast or a tree frog or something that you've got I'm over there. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. I'm no, sorry. I just wanted to I just wanted to mention it because often I'm listening back to these things and I'm like, I wish we had just fucking mentioned the tree frog so we could <laughs> so that the listener could know that we know. Yeah. Right now we we're all tell aware. The listeners. Let's tell we the listeners. All know. I'm I'm outside because my kids, you know, before bedtime is a very loud time in my house yeah. and so I'm sitting outside and it's so peaceful and I'm really enjoying myself but these crickets are so loud. So I'm sorry. You're multitasking. I'll just tell people you're the new host of Wild Kingdom, and this is like you're doing another <laughs> another shoot at the same time. Well, let's just hope the the parrots of South Pasadena don't show up. Google that. <laughs> we have actually they're the parrots of South fucking Pasadena. I thought you said parents at first. I, I thought it did sound like that. <laughs> parrots. It's, it's National Wine Day. Give me a break. And uh, there's parrots. And every time I've ever like had someone come over to have a serious conversation, the parrots come and there's this flock of parrots and they're so loud. They're beautiful. They're green and all these like beautiful color, green and red. And they're so loud and they just come in like a group of 50 and they're so loud and you can't. So anyway, they'll probably show up any minute because they hear me and uh, I apologize. I'm just putting down the parrots of Pasadena as a possible band name in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. Go to your happy place. One, two, three, four, five. And count to five. It's pretty good to be alive. That it's great to be alive. When you play in records with John. Hey, all you lucky listeners out there in earbud land, and welcome to another exciting episode of Playing Records with John, only on the FYIZ podcast feed. I'm your host, John. This time, my guests are Arinda Fink and Maria Taylor, a.k.a. Azure Ray, who earlier this year celebrated the 20th anniversary of their influential and quietly devastating eponymous debut album, which was co-produced by Eric Bachman of Archers of Loaf and Crooked Fingers and uh, Brian Causey from Manor Astro Man. Just last month, Azure Ray released Remedy, their first new full-length in a decade. And I've been a fan of Arinda and Maria's music forever, dating back before Azure Ray and even before their 90s alternative guitar pop band, Little Red Rocket, when I just knew them as two cool girls who could harmonize really well a couple years behind me at the Alabama School of Fine Arts, uh, a magnet school that we all attended. So long story short, I was legitimately thrilled to have them on this show to talk about their lush and textured new album. Remedy was produced by multi-instrumentalist Brandon Walters, who you may know from indie bands Lord Huron and My Name Is You, and uh, it's available right now wherever you get music, places such as the internet and the real world. Now, um, I think that's all I need to say to get you ready for this. It's, it's a, it was a great fun talk, and yeah, people I wanted to have on the show from the beginning and uh, well worth the wait. Now here is, or here are, here is or are, Azure Ray. How do you say goodbye? And when will you know this more? Why? Can you tell me now? Can you show me where it hurts? Well, we had an idea to make a record when because we were spending so much time um, revisiting the first record for the 20th anniversary. We did a, a re-release, or no, actually a, a first-time release of the record on vinyl. It had never been pressed on vinyl before. Um, and so we, we did that, and then um, with that record uh, was a, a book that we put together of 20 years of photographs and that we, like, hand commented on and noted, you know, what, what was happening in the photographs. So it was, we, we also found an old unreleased song. So, so we spent, you know, a good portion, I guess, what would that have been, 2019, kind of prepping for this 20th anniversary release. And then the pandemic hit. Um, or, but you know, so in that we were kind of talking. Well, we should we should probably do a new record too because we're we're feeling we're feeling it, you know. And we've been working together and um, just kind of on the same page about a lot of stuff uh, from just being together, basically, you know, physically more. Because I had just moved to California too, 
Anyways, um, sorry, I'm just kind of rambling this all together. That's, but, that's what uh, this show is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then it really came together when the lockdown occurred, you know, and it went from an idea to, uh, you know, kind of we're both like coping with this situation. you know, with the kids being at home and their whole lives being uprooted, being in the city, me being out here in the desert, um, kind of, you know, virtually isolated, uh, having just moved here. And we thought, well, this is a, a, you know, if we can, if we can muster it, you know, amongst all this crazy chaotic turmoil, this would be a great time to write, write and record a record. Um, or at least write it, you know, I think when we first started talking about it, we weren't quite sure how we would handle the recording of it pandemic style. Yeah, we had already kind of had the idea and then the pandemic hit. And, you know, I feel like for us, Azure has also always been a source of like therapy and how we get through. I mean, it all started when my boyfriend, Peter died. We wrote these songs in our bedrooms to help us cope with our grief with that situation. And so I mean, it just felt really natural because we were feeling all sorts of emotions. You know, we all were. I mean, when this was just, when this started, when this went down, I mean, like, what the fuck, you know? It's just like, it's this, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Our light, I mean, we were told to not leave the house. I mean, we weren't going to the store. The stores were completely here, like empty. I mean, it was scary. And um, so we turned to to music, like we seem to always do in tough times. and. I don't know, we started just playing each other. We would send each other these demos. Would you even know a bad thing when you're stuck inside a bad tree? Would you even know? Would you even know? Would you even know if I fell? And then there was a point where one of us said, well, let's just compile everything because we would just send them all the time. Like, let's compile it on a playlist and let's like go for a walk and listen. And Arenda went for a walk and she just texted me back. She's like, I think we have a record here. Oh, it only takes a second to fall into a fantasy. And oh, I'll tell you what you just know it isn't happening Still, I don't know if I'm Oh, all these conversations circle around like a carousel Oh, here we're going down again This time I'm gonna wish you well And watch as it We called one of my friends, Brandon, who also, he's always touring. Everyone wants him because he's such an amazing player and makes everyone sound great. So he was actually home and had time. Is that Brandon Walters? Yes. He's so great and he really is just like so busy all the time. So this was just perfect. Like he also wasn't touring and he was at home and he has a studio in his house. And so we, um, we asked him and then we we all like quarantined and took a, you know, a bunch of COVID tests and got together one time. So Arenda could meet him and then everything else was recorded, um, from our individual houses, three different houses, emailing tracks. And that was how this record was made. You know, there's a lot I want to pick up about that. And one of the things I want to just, uh, jump on is that 
idea of like writing songs as a kind of coping mechanism. I think people think I'm being glib or something when I say that about why I make music, you know, but it is like, there's a compulsion to do it. And especially when you're going through a time like this, there is something about saying like, I don't know, it's a way of processing stuff. And I think that when you're in the middle of a situation like what you were just describing, that we all ver live through some version of it, whether we were comfortable and were actually locked down or whether people were back at work or whatever, everybody was in that same, like, what is this world that we're in? And I've tried to explain to my son a couple of times, like, you, you'll be talking about this when you're old, uh, because yes. this is weird. This is weird. I don't, I'm not <laughs> saying this, we, this is it, but like, this will, this is weird. I don't want you to, just because you're a young person and you kind of are bouncing off of everything. I'm, I've had a few more years. This is a strange thing to have happened that everybody sort of shut down. And so I don't know. Even for our parents. Like right. My mom was like, in my life, in her lifetime, she's like, nothing like this has ever happened. I mean, this was huge for every generation. Yeah. And it's like, so I, I don't, I think I would have gone crazy if I hadn't found some way to make music in that last year. I know a lot of people who've said they kind of shut down in a different way and they can't, their process is more communal or whatever. Um, and I think some artists are just so big that they don't know how to kind of operate in that space of like, we're not going into studios. What, what do you mean doing this at home or whatever? <laughs> but clearly a lot yeah. of people kind of put out COVID records. You know, there's some big artists that put out albums that seemed like they were inspired by that idea of just having more time on your hands, like suddenly something that couldn't fit in the schedule. So I, I'm intrigued by that notion of the coping mechanism thing, but also when you talk about how because you spent so much time looking back at the first record, it almost like we've got, if we're spending this much energy on this, we've got to add to it. Do you think this album in any way was influenced by the first album in that in that sense then? Like the, the fact that it kind of followed a period of, of, of looking back? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that we, you know, c consciously chose to take out like elements of the first record that we thought were were very important to what we created in that zone and bring that to this record you know so like just some very basic i think like ideas about kind of where we were going for the vibe of it we wanted to just make sure that we recaptured that intimacy of that first record and i think in in a couple of ways, you know, that meant, I think, making sure that we had really strong songs that we felt very connected to, um, making sure that in the production that, that it was very like vocal forward, that those were just some very basic seeds that we planted when we went into it. But, you know, I think, cause I think sometimes it's good to have like slight parameters and they weren't even really parameters. They were just kind of discussions. Cause you know, some of us, are we making an electronic record? Are we making a country tinged record or, and it kind of was just like, well, <laughs> we're making a good record. That's what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> well, no, honestly, it's like, I think sometimes I work within that idea of like a concept or parameters, even if it's something to, to kick against at some point in the process. It's like, you need to think of like, why this? Why again? What am I doing this time? You know, how is it different from the last time? Mm -hmm. Exactly. This is an Azure Ray album and the parameters are, it's in the style of Azure Ray. Yeah, that's what we hope. That's what we hope for. friendship there that's at the core obviously there's something you know you're writing kind of to the other one's sensibilities a little bit and you're sort of saying like okay i can't almost like i can't wait for so and so to hear this song you know sometimes i write a song and i just can't wait to share it with somebody i just got to get feedback yeah and when i think about how long you two have been writing together and making music together and how long it goes back um, and I, I said this to Maria the last time. It's like, I remember when you were the girls with the nice voices who would show up at the, the house parties and, <laughs> and sing a song or two. I, I don't know, like you've managed to go forward from that and carry, like, you, I mean, you had a band that had a, a bit of success and it, it kind of 
for various reasons, obvious reasons, you know, ended. And like you got to go forward with the thing that meant most to you about that band. Yeah, I think we've all are always gone with the flow, so to speak, you know, like it's um, not impulsive necessarily is not the right word, but um, nothing seems like very planned out. You know, it's just like it happens naturally. And even the transition from Little Rocket to Azure clearly, because like, you know, we weren't thinking about what the next band would be, but we just knew we wanted to write some more songs together, you know. Um, You know, and I mean, that's not to say like nothing is planned out. Obviously, you put out a record and you plan a tour and you go on it. You have to work hard and be ambitious about all this stuff, too. But even that, like, I feel like our ambition, and Maria, correct me if you're wrong, but like, (laughs) <laughs> correct me. <laughs> I like that too. When, <laughs> you say correct me if you're wrong. <laughs> correct me if I'm okay. wrong or you're wrong. Correct me if you're wrong. <laughs> everybody no, just that's, agree that's, to correct everybody if anybody's wrong. <laughs> correct me if you're wrong. Uh, okay. uh, <laughs> so, so where were we before somebody got corrected for being wrong? <laughs> I was, I was going to say that that on a certain level, when I think back of like what could be construed as ambition for us was like Maria was saying, we were just kind of compelled to do it. We just really, you know, and like you were saying, oh, the girls with the nice voices at the parties, like, well, why were we doing that? You know, why were we (laughs) driving around Birmingham with acoustic guitars in our trunk playing for anybody that would listen? Uh, We weren't talking about record labels or, you know, you know, none of that even occurred to us. There was just something really fun about us just kind of writing songs and singing together. And I think that's kind of what drove us, to do 300 shows a year, you know, mm-hmm. the first three years that we were a band. And um, so it's like, yeah, is that ambition or is that just like the love of kind of what you're doing? And you're, you're a young person and you're kind of figuring out, well, where's my place in the world? And we didn't go to college. So that was kind of like our college, you know? Yeah. We showed up for it every day. I mean, I think it was just purely fun until we started to realize like we could possibly like make a living. Yeah, we wanted to play at parties and stuff, but that was embarrassing. I don't know why we did that because we were we were really bad. Thank God no one had cell phones with cameras. Oh, so. Jesus. Woo! So many things lucky. happened pre pre cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really feel for the the kids oh. these yeah. days. I know. Although they seem all a lot cooler than we were. Well, they kind of have to be. They have to be so poised exactly. because if anything bad happens, a billion cameras come out, you know? Exactly. Exactly. But honestly, like the other part, it was people asked us, you know, it was just like people would be like, hey, go on tour with us. So we yeah. said, okay. I mean, our first few years were bigger bands asking us to go on tour. And we were just like, okay, okay. You know, I mean, it was just a lot of like, yeah, go with the flow. And and then, yeah, things changed a little bit at some point. But I mean, I would say for the first few years, I don't know, ambition seems like the wrong word. Drive, maybe, but it was also just like, I think it was just we were passionate about it. Here I'm somewhere in between these feelings They come back to me when I'm sound sleeping How I miss those days And I know I'm not, I know I'm not done living There's things that I started I still have to finish But how do I now? And so I'm reaching out to myself I'm not calling out to anybody else Already written, um, so that one came to me in the shower I was like in the shower and the verses just came like the words and the melody. And that's very rare for me. Um, very, very rare. So it kind of all came as one. And so I started writing, I got out of the shower and I like grabbed a, I, oh, I texted her in first. I was like, I, I've got a song. Like I've got a song. It just came to me in the shower. And I was like, I'll give it to you. Like give me 30 minutes. So I like grabbed a piece of paper and I started writing it down. And um, then I picked the guitar up to try to, find the chords that were in my head, you know, cause like I had it, I just had to find, find it on the guitar. Um, 
but I didn't have the chorus. And so like, then I, I wrote the whole verses and it was all about like missing, you know, the old days and just all these things and like the struggles of life now and like, but missing the old days. And then when I came up with that line about like, it's somewhere in between, you know, I'm, I'm somewhere in between what I hear. And when I listen, I try to write it down, but it's already written. And I was just like, I think the choruses should just be like really reminiscent of another Azure song, you know, like to tie that in to like, it's so, so that's what I did. So then I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to take sleep. I'm going to take the chorus, but I'm going to write it as though I'm Maria right now. Cause I wrote that as a 23 year old or 22 year old who had just lost my boyfriend who had died. So I was like, I'm going to write it now. Like back then it was like, I'm reaching out for the one. I've learned the meaning of the sun. So this one is like, I'm reaching, you know, out to myself and it's just like, I'm not calling out to anyone else. And all we have is what we've done. Cause I just started thinking, you know, it's like, like in our life, like, yeah, it's just like, we can sit there and think about things forever, but it's just like when we're gone, it's just like what we leave behind. So whether that's like children or whether that's songs or whether that's, um, you know, I don't know, but I started just to think like, like, come on, like do stuff. Like, cause I can totally just like get complacent and just not do shit. You know what I mean? So I just, I don't know. Cause the verses were done and it was, so I was like, okay, I'm going to take, it's already written. That was the whole theme of the whole song. So I was like, I'm going to take this old Azure Ray song. Yeah. And just like rewrite the chorus as though, yeah, from my perspective now, so it's like, I'm not going to reach out for anybody. I'm not going to try. And and it's weird because the theme, it ties into like Arinda's song Remedy, which is just like, you are your own remedy or there's none, which is the same exact thing that, and I had not even heard that song or I had heard it, but we weren't even, that wasn't even going to be on the record yet. So I hadn't even spent time with those lyrics of her song Remedy, but um, it's just all like, we're just thinking the same things in life yeah. now, which is just like, there, we're not reaching out for the one. There is no, you know, it's just like, we are the one we have to make ourselves happy. No one <laughs> will make us happy. And you sound like it a takes, cult leader right now. I like it. I mean, I'm just serious. Like no with your, one. With your, and you kind of glowing face in the dark. The Taylor plan. <laughs> no, but it's just true. You know it. I mean, we all know it. It's just like, no, I'm saying I love it. I love it. had its own specific, you know, set of neuroses and anxieties attached to it, but but it also like put a magnifying glass on the issues that were already there, you know, or issues that maybe were right around the corner that you got to a lot quicker, you know, and so I think that's all in there too. That's gave us a chance to really look honestly at some of those things. I think it's even such a loaded time that you could write lyrics that would have nothing to do with it and it would still, people could relate it to it. You know, there's certain <laughs> subjects that are so big. Because I noticed that when I, I was finishing a, a couple of records in the last year and like some of the songs were newly finished and some of them had been in the works for a while and I was noticing like, oh, I don't need to write new songs about this moment. I mean, I did a couple things, but... I was noticing some older songs. Oh, someone will think I wrote this last week. You know, the way this lyric right. now, now reads is it reads as connected to this. It's like, oh no, I was writing about isolation and loneliness <laughs> before this. Well, yeah, it's like all of that. It's really weird. And that's why I, all it really did was accentuate 
everything that was in our, you know, everything that we're dealing with, mm-hmm. it just accentuated it, you know? So it was just kind of like, boom, like it's everything about our lives that we struggle with times a thousand because that's all we could see. We couldn't see beyond it. There was no world beyond it, you know? No distractions. Yeah. And I'm somewhere in between what I hear and when I listen. I try to write it down, but it's already written. How I miss those days. And I mean, I mean, I live in a house that is a tiny, tiny house. So, you know, there was no, we don't have room in our house for us to all find a little alone time in the house you know I mean it's just like full-on 180 percent like all the time (laughs) Irina has a roommate but they like live in literal like paradise like they have this beautiful big house and it's just on this huge plot of like land that looks like the moon yeah, if you consider Mars, if you consider Mars paradise, we're in paradise. I, mean, you know. I do. I, I do, do consider too. Mars I paradise. love it. I love no, it. I, I, the, <laughs> the pictures I've seen are just lovely. But I mean, I just Maria and I have talked about the, the West. Somehow, I ended up on in the fucking Mid Atlantic region, you know, all the way on this <laughs> seaboard. But no, I, every time I've got the further west I've gone, the more at peace I've felt. Like mm. in my heart, and I'm not even like a new agey person, but that's the first time I started thinking maybe there's some truth to this because I felt different when I was out west, you know. Yeah, I think environment can definitely make you feel different. You know, whatever it is that speaks speaks to you is a real thing. Well, yeah, I mean, you can be in the wrong place. That's the thing that drives me crazy. Yeah. It's like you could be in the wrong fucking place your whole life. There could be the right place out there for you, and you didn't, you never found it. You know, I I had to really think about this about like you know because I moved back to Alabama for a little while. We talked about this and um, I have dear friends there that I've known forever. And I have my family who I love so much and I'm so close to, but I realized there's something about, like you said, like when I just drove back or when I, you know, when I come back West, I feel it in my heart. Like I relax. I feel like it's just actually physical. There's something about the West coast and there's something about California that actually just makes me I don't know. I feel like, and it's sad because I am leaving people that I love behind in another city. And I mean, God, I could have like a bigger house and like live right by my family and it would be so great, but I wasn't happy even though I was with the people I love. Like, so I think there's some, I realized for me, like the actual place is really important to my happiness for some reason. I don't know why it's weird because I'm such a people person, but I think when you have a family or a, even just a unit of just, you know, you're part of a, a, a couple or what, but it's like, you, you can have that new existence somewhere and be kind of like the satellite office or the remote outpost. And it doesn't feel like you're so disconnected. I think sometimes when I go back, it's like, I have to kind of force myself to have new experiences, you know, that I don't just do the exact same things I've done before and to go to the same restaurants and, and, you know, like, because I do think there's a lot of cool stuff happening in Birmingham. and But I, I know what you mean about feeling a little... It's like that whole thing of like home is different now. And it's weird when you go back to a place that forever you would have called home. And now you're suddenly like, well, now I feel like I'm visiting this place. And home is this other place that I found and kind of made on my own. And some people never leave town and other people do, you know, and that's why it feels so strange. It's like there's no right, right or wrong to it. You're not supposed to stick around. You're not supposed to leave. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess we can get back to the record. Um. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving this conversation. I love what you just said too, John, though. I really love that. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no right or wrong. You're not supposed to leave or you're not supposed to stay. Either one is fine. I, I haven't heard anyone quite put it that way. But I, as you know, I'm sure Maria too, I guess people who have moved around a lot and had a lot of different homes that we've you know, left and came back to, like not just Birmingham, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, Athens, Omaha now Los Angeles like Marie and I both have kind of had several different homes I just I love that phrase I'm gonna remember that stand alone in an empty room scared to stay scared to Because you don't see people all the time. No, you don't. So you have to like, like, so the palm trees, like when I go for my walks and I look at the palm, there's something about just the palm trees that make me happy. And there's something about that I can drive to see the ocean in 20 Mm -hmm. minutes, you know, like there's certain things. So I just feel like 
You see? I know. I'm sorry. I'm not. <laughs> we're trying to get back onto the record. No, no, I, no. But I, I like being on the water too. And every time we talk about moving to some other place, I'm like, well, what, are they going to have like a really big lake there or something? Because even Baltimore, being kind of you know a, a port city and not like a beach town necessarily, or a place that has beautiful beaches, I still feel like I feel more open somehow when I when I am just not landlocked. I know. I'm like, I'd like to think that I could get to the ocean quickly, even if I'm not yeah. right on the ocean. Exactly, because I don't go that often. But it was weird. It was like the desert i think it's just the vastness of the ocean and the desert like yeah i needed to see that during the pandemic like i just needed to see like i just needed to go see the ocean and i just needed to look out at that and i needed to go to the desert where as far as my eyes can see it was just like sand you know i don't know why but it just it made me feel better I never thought about the desert in that way before you said that, but I love when I go to the ocean, especially because we usually go off season-ish, so it's never that crowded wherever we've gone and when we've chosen to go. And so it's like, you sort of feel like you were, I'm seeing what someone would have seen uh, a thousand years ago if they were standing yeah. right here, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I'm connected in some way to this awe. I'm sure that whoever was standing here thousands or whatever, how many years ago, they were just as in awe of the ocean as I am right now. And just I'm living exactly. in the modern age and we know everything now, but I can still be totally dwarfed by this, you know? So I, it never occurred to me that being in the desert would be a similar feeling. It's just, the same feeling. It is the same feeling. I, I'm so happy because I, you know, when I left Omaha um, two and a half years ago, I wanted to move to Savannah to, to, to be near the ocean there. Like that was kind of my dream relocation um but for you know multiple reasons we that that didn't work out and we ended up uh thinking it would be a better move to move to california but i certainly did not want to live in the city because that's just not what i was looking for at this point in my life and then maria suggested the desert and i came out and i don't know it seemed right but i didn't know i was gonna love it as much as i did because i was worried since i had wanted to move by the water like, well, this is the complete opposite of that, <laughs> you know, but it does have the same effect. In fact, if you keep walking in the desert, Orinda, and you see water, that's not water. That's a mirage. I, I just got to warn you. <laughs> um, it does have the same effect. I think it's that effect of like, you know, there's something bigger than you. It makes you, you know, it just helps center you or something. And that's nice to be dwarfed. I don't know. I love it when my problems, my stupid, constant nitpicking I do in my brain. I love it when it goes away. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. God, me too. Sometimes that's the only way for it to go away is <laughs> to be dwarfed by something. Stand alone in an empty Scared to stay, scared to move Little beast clawing at my door I call for peace, they call for war You seem honest enough, but I need to So yeah, is it weird releasing an album at a time when, you know, normally there would be this push playing a lot of shows, doing a lot to promote it? No, not really because, you know, just where we are in our lives. Like, I I don't really enjoy touring anymore. I mean, I love playing shows. Like, once I'm on I say this, but like, once I'm on stage, I'm just like, oh my God, this is amazing. I love this. But um, I don't know. I My kids are in school and I, I don't like to change up their routines that much and I don't want to leave them. I don't want to miss the, out on anything, you know? So I don't really want to leave home. And Arenda feels the same way and for different reasons. You know, like she's had a vocal surgery. She's had issues with her voice. And so it's a struggle for her to play multiple shows in a row. So we're kind of like 
on the same page as far as um, we don't really want to do that anyway. So this was another, it was just perfect, you know, put out a, a record. No one's playing shows to support their records and people are, um, they're not expecting that. So it's also, it's not like we're letting people down by like not doing a big tour. Like no one's doing a big tour. Yeah, so it's and... perfect for us. Yeah. And see, I wanted you to answer because I wanted to make sure like because of my vocal stuff, like I didn't want to be like, I don't want to tour anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't want to be like bust <laughs> out don't... with something really negative like that. But the surgery, when was it Maria in like 2000, early like 2019? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was yeah. early 2019. Um, I mean, I've had, uh, issues on and off um almost start like about three years in you know that what we were talking about oh the first three years we played like 300 shows a a year well I wasn't singing correctly (laughs) for those 900 shows um and I did some you know permanent damage to my vocal cords that required some working around for the next 15 years and so I was always kind of in a state of tension with it um and, but then it, uh, I think probably around 2017, 18, it, my, you know, and Azure wasn't even, um, active at this time. So it was really something that was coming organically, I think from the, from the damage, uh, it, it, my voice really started getting bad to the point where like, I couldn't even hit a falsetto anymore, like at all. Like just nothing would come out when you would go to that place. Like you would just. It'd, it'd be like. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Even worse. It's kind of like, a, you know, like if you like take a balloon. So if you think of your vocal cords, they're kind of like that. You know, they're they're like the air is coming through this very tight little area, you know. Mm-hmm. So if like my vocal, because I had damage on my vocal cords and swelling, it was, it would close too tightly. And it would be like when you squeeze, squeeze a balloon and it goes, you know. Mm-hmm. So not only could I not hit the note, but it would like squeak out very loudly, you know, mm. kind of this horrifying squeal right straight into a microphone. I mean, pretty much a nightmare, you know. Yeah, that was happening and I had to get the surgery. I basically was kind of after 15 years of, you know, on and off struggle, it got to a point where it couldn't be ignored anymore. And so I started seeing... um some doctors and, you know, basically had a metal rod shoved down my throat about 100 times, you know, and and through my nose, uh, either down my throat or down my nose into my throat. Um, it's, it's really, really an awful, um, you know, process to get diagnosed, uh, with, with, uh, any kind of vocal problem. So when people complained about COVID tests, you were just like, yeah, Oh, yeah, I was like such a little (laughs) bitch about it. I'm like, (laughs) Like, shut up. Ultimately, they decided, uh, I mean, it's really hard. You know, your vocal cords are this, you know, smaller than your pinky nail. So it is it is very difficult to like, unless it's like, okay, this is a straight up, you know, huge polyp or huge node. um, Hard to like diagnose, you know, these kind of conditions. So ultimately, I got referred to uh, sorry, I'm going into too much detail about this. Oh, no, but, I'm um, interested. This is, you know, this is life. Yeah, I've never actually even talked about it. So, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of cathartic to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got referred to a, a, a world-renowned vocal surgeon in Chicago. And for two reasons. One, my doctor in Omaha was too afraid to do the surgery, um, even though he recommended it. He said, there's no rehab for your voice. There's So, if oh. there was rehab, we would recommend that. The only way to potentially fix this problem is to have surgery on it and remove what they, at that point, diagnosed as a um, scar tissue, essentially, a, a burst blood vessel and, and scar tissue, I think, from the damage. Um, so I, so he wanted me to go to this, um, this, this vocal surgeon in Chicago, and it ended up being um, a fine deal because my deductible was $10,000. And this guy, since he worked on people all over the world, he didn't go through insurance. He just charged $10,000. Like, mm-hmm. um, And so it was like, either way, I was going to pay that amount of money. So, you know, it was like a, a big decision for me and Todd. It was a lot of money, but it was kind of, you know, it was definitely at this crossroads where like, and it was scary too, because they, you know, there's always, always this um, possibility that you, it would uh, further hurt your voice or maybe you'd never even talk again. 
you know, it's the whole Julie Andrews thing. But I really wanted to give it a shot. You know, I knew I wasn't okay with where I was, you know, so I really wanted to try. And so we like, you know, took the money out of savings and I didn't speak for two months, which was also a big trip. Um, I, I couldn't do it. That would be the end of my life. They would just say, well, let's just look about back. You can't talk for two months. You know, it's quicker quicker just to say, hey, John, look over there. <laughs> I don't know that I could either. I don't know. I ended up actually kind of liking it. It's kind of like how COVID, how some, like, at, you know, you went through this crazy period and by the end you're like, I, know, I don't want to see anyone ever again. You like, simplify. Out, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I did, you know, it was interesting. Like, my sister, God bless her, was just like, you're so much nicer when you're writing on a chalkboard. I'm like, yeah, because you can only write what you need to write. You kind of cut out the sarcasm. The You know, it's like a natural know. process. People say if you want to send an angry email to like save it to drafts and read it again like five yes. minutes later. But if you have to yeah. actually write it down, you're like, ah, it's not worth it. And, you know, long story short, it didn't work. And that was very, that was disappointing. Yeah. Um, and... But, uh, and, and I'm definitely not doing another surgery again. So that's over, you know, but Maria and I are, have learned to work around it. She's been so, so supportive and, um, I don't know, just so encouraging and supportive. So like now when we sing live, like the parts that I can't sing anymore, she takes. So like, you know, when normally when I would have gone high, she, she does the high part and I do the low part. And so we're making it work, but all that to say, you can imagine that I have still have like extreme anxiety around, you know, performing and especially like, you know, I don't, I'm not sure I could do a rigorous month long tour, you know? Yeah. Even, even with switching the parts up, like I'm, I'm just not quite sure I could do it. Anything is possible. I've changed keys to so many of my earlier songs because yeah, when you're younger, you don't think about like what's best for your voice. You just write a song and you just feel like, oh, this is it. But I um, can't even sing them now. My, because yeah, we like, our voices change, but it's so funny because whenever I do play a show, I forget to tell the people, because I don't have a band, so people learn my songs, you know, and I always forget to tell them that, you know, I, I can't sing it in that key. So they learn it. And then we only, you know, I don't like to practice much. So we have like one practice you know they just learn everything and then they come in and we're probably i'm like oh wait a minute like i can't <laughs> sing it like it is on the record they're like what this happens every time we're like oh no i forgot to tell you that i changed the key just to feel the wind blow we'll never be as free as we used to be they say roots will give you strength, so I'm waiting. And all the children want from us is just to be loved, and I guess I never Desert Waterfall has these really cool synth textures in it, and I think that's like a nylon string guitar on that one, too, that really gives it a certain kind of flavor. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that song or the arrangement of that song, because that one really jumped out at me. Just the just the kind of ear candy of that one jumped out at me on first listen. Again, it's just like all of this is Brandon. I don't know what the hell he did, but it's just, I love, I love it. I mean, I can send you the demo of that song, and it's just so different. I mean, all of that production 
That's just Brandon. I know he should have been on this call. Literally, we sent him guitar tracks, vocal tracks, maybe some little like ideas for like where we wanted certain things, but he just did everything else himself. And he did have other people do stuff, but um, I mean, for the most part, he did it all himself in his apartment. He had a roommate for a while um, during COVID, but, and he was a drummer, so he played some, but then also it was just one of those like meant to be situations where he had also had other drum, like drummers play drums and he had made little loops that he had just had waiting to use and they just fit on some of these songs, so he would throw them in there. So lots of them were also loops from actual live drums that were from five years ago. And some of them were played in his apartment during COVID, and yes, some were sampled. There's a lot of lyrics on this album that seem to be about um, accepting the mystery or pursuing it. Yeah. Reach harder. Did I hear that correctly on Grow What You Want and How Wild? Mm-hmm. I love that, that idea. Reach harder. You're open. got those kind of questions again that don't I love you don't you care um it seems like a lot of your refrains I think these are your songs Arenda that I'm mentioning that have a lot of the questions in the in the refrains Mm -hmm. Mm, interesting asking a lot of questions (laughs) (laughs) well the, the answer to this song uh might piss you off but it's just the truth that song means nothing at all (laughs) no it doesn't piss me off those are nonsense words that just come into my brain it's true, and that, that's actually not she true. She told from, me that too. I asked her once, and I'm like, no. She, it, Maria, I like Maria's She's like, she's like, Maria's like, no, because they're just subconscious words. Then they, you know, they are meaningful. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like, but and and I only say that only uh, because almost none of my other songs are like that. You yeah. know, uh, they're they're like very thought out and kind of like you know pick through and. And, 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 you know, trying to make it mean this one thing. But, like, that one just, they're just words. <laughs> I don't know. I call bullshit. The universe was speaking through you, Orenda, when that song was written. You're not that kind of person. It's got, it came from somewhere, whether it was about someone else or something. It's like, I don't know. You don't just write words. This is like finding out that Alec Guinness didn't like playing Obi-Wan. You know, this is, this is... <laughs> This is I hard. know. I don't believe you, Rena. Well, I mean, I, I guess I will say that, like, it's kind of a nihilistic song because it's kind of like, uh, it's about like maybe some type of sacrifice, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a love, a, a mother, child, you know, father, child, even maybe a, a a love for humanity or something, you know, and and kind of getting that thrown back in your fa- face, but like. It's just accepting it. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, maybe about getting older, accepting it and being like, okay, well, let's all just do our own. I guess that's the grow what you want and how wild. Let's like, yeah. it, there's no, you can't pin someone down with your love, you yeah. know? So they're going to do their thing and then you need to do your thing. Um, but it's kind of like that realization, I guess. Yeah. So in other words, nothing, meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Only one just, of the biggest topics: how to make love last. But oh yeah, just nothing. words. <laughs> just yeah. words. 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 Words.
you know, I think those phrases were coming to me because I was feel that that that's what was feeling right for the music. It was like what well, was feeling right for the time, even though like ultimately like, but it wasn't like I sat down to write that song. Right. No, I know what you mean about the difference between having an idea and just kind of writing a song. I, I, I mm-hmm. there's a big difference between the ones where, like. I remember wrestling with that idea versus I remember just kind of writing phrases to fit the, or or even letting it kind of not thinking about it. Sometimes I'll just say lyrics and I'll stick with them because they flowed and they rhymed and I'm happy with them. But it doesn't have to mean that much to you when you're when you're singing it, you know. Yeah, it's like, I, but you know, it's it's like that's a a weird thing because it's like, is it any less meaningful of a song? You know, because, yeah. you know, it's like you think about like Nirvana's lyrics, you know, um, it smells like teen spirit. It's just complete nonsense. But wow, does that song mean so much to so many millions of people? Like, yeah, it's an it's, it's like a vibe, you know, but I don't think most people write lyrics as like a secret map to some treasure that you, if you dig deep enough, you'll find. I think most people write lyrics like it's it's. It can be as meaningless as like couplets to fill the time, and these are phrases that feel catchy. Right, but isn't that amazing that anyone could could get that from lyrics? You yeah, know? no, it's like, true. It's true. It's, it's very true. And I think that a lot about like uh, you know um, literature literature cr- critiques. You know, like probably mm-hmm. a lot of that is assigned meaning to you. you yeah, because the fact that people can find meaning in you know words, which are basically symbols and uh, that, and, and symbols are, uh, you know, like, um, representations, obviously, of, like, the human condition, like, and mm-hmm. find so much meaning and joy and beauty and, like, you know, understanding in that, like, that's, like, the thing that keeps me going, you know, yeah. uh, in general, like, as far as, like, art or just even kind of, like, the mystery of life, you know. I don't know. I mean, I do think we, most of the time we understand what we're doing, but I don't think we always do. <laughs> well, I don't think we should. You're right. I mean, I think that's vitally important, you know, and I think you mentioned like something earlier, like, and I think it, you know, can sound super pretentious to say like, you know, you're, 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 you're channeling something, mm-hmm. but that's what it is. Yeah. You know, like you, yes on it, it. I think it's like, you know, mirrors your, your subconscious and your conscious mind, you know, it's like, Yes, you are channeling your personal experience on a certain level, but you're also channeling something else, you know, and because it cannot just be one. One would be so egocentric and, I mean, essentially like non-relatable. It it, it just wouldn't have the same impact. Oh, another fight for the waking life. Did you lose your way? Was it a sacrifice? It's impossible. To understand What tore your fingers back From your clenched up fist You closed your eyes With confidence It's impossible To understand I think of the dance The dying swan Why they added it I mean, honestly, you come to a new batch of material, though, when you've written a lot of songs, and you don't want to be a self-parody, but you do want to, as we were talking about earlier, we do, you do want to kind of appeal to people that might like what it is that made this project so special. So, I mean, when I look at these songs, a lot of the things that stand out to me are, I mentioned earlier some of the kind of lyrical themes, but there's little sonic touches throughout the album that make the songs stand out from each other. So I guess we can talk now a little bit about the process of recording the thing. I'll, I'll start out by just, you know, qualifying this whole conversation with the fact that, I don't know if that's the right Term. You're going to stipulate there. something. Sounds good. <laughs> see, Sounds see if that good. sticks. As a, Christine, my sister, sent me a meme the other day. I was like, uh, word I Googled that I tried to use in a conversation fits. <laughs> when? <laughs> um, anyways, uh, you know, Brandon Walters, uh, who produced the record, like, I mean, he, this, it, it's his production baby from start to finish. And that was part of the pandemic style, you know, like normally, um, you know, even with Eric Bachman, who really did 
kind of the same thing. He really like it was also his production baby, but like a lot of the the the, the, the besides the first record, Marie and I like literally sat there um, every minute almost of the production. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't always interject, but we were there and. And certainly we did interject and have opinions here and there, but, um, but with Brandon, it was, yeah, kind of like the old days, except, you know, we just weren't there. He did everything remotely, you know, and that was by necessity. Uh, so we didn't really choose a lot of the production elements, um, but we There's some amazing textures on this record though. I mean, it's really, really subtle and great. He is an absolute And we just genius. loved it. Like, we yeah, had no we, we had no comments. Like, there was never any, like, ah, you know, I mean, it was just, we listened, and we were like, holy shit. Like, I think every single song along the way, every time he sent us a new mix of what it was, you know, how it was becoming, we were blown away, and we just loved the direction, and we loved the product. I mean, yeah, we just loved it. I'd say like the only like uh, one that I had a question about at the beginning that totally transformed or not transformed, but like I had changed my mind like 180 degrees by the time it was done was 29 Palms because, you know, it's written as a waltz, which Todd always makes fun of me for writing waltzes. He's like, why do you keep doing it? Oh my God, I love a waltz. I have, I have, I have friends that, that call me John Waltzer because so many of the songs (laughs) that I write are naturally, I think waltzes are this natural, beautiful thing. Waltzes are great. They just feel so good. They feel so good. You know, my husband's a techno guy, so he's like not into waltzes. You can only be heard by what you I was kind of working up the demo with Todd at some point early on just for fun and and he was you know trying to pull it out of the waltz <laughs> well the song kind and of doubles it does both like when it goes into the chorus it, the waltz is really it there feels waltzy, yeah. 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 it feels like it's did, did he did he change it to a four four no it's, or is it still it's, three four it's, it's still, still three four it's, it's still a waltz, but he just, okay. I think the, what he did, which I thought was pretty genius is he real, like he made the verses real floaty yeah. and downplayed yeah. the waltz and then hit the waltz and, you know, big time yeah. the choruses. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. That's yeah. I, because Todd, because Todd, you know, and no offense to him had been trying to pull it out of the waltz and telling me that waltzes were bad. Uh, the waltzes Brand- are not bad. Todd, when Brand- sorry, this is Brandon- a pro-waltz zone. We don't mean to make fun. It's like, you can go off and not go um papa. You can do that all you want, but we love it. We love the waltz. a shirt that says here. pro-waltz. Pro-waltz. You can only be heard by what you It's actually germane to what we were talking about earlier with like leaving home, but you say home is the place you can never go back when you leave. It's like that really stood out to me. And then also the, there's this great turn of phrase in that song. Um, on, on top of the refrain, you can only be hurt by what you love, which is like front and center in the song, which is really like, yeah, of course, that really hits you. But something about going back to town and hanging out like a ghost in a sheet. I just thought that was so great. That, that just such a great image. But also I know that feeling like as a kind of introverted person who can be sometimes really garrulous, I sometimes feel like... If, especially if I go back home, I'm doing that. I'm just kind of around. But she says in there, like, what's the point? Which yeah. I love that. Because she was just like, what's the point if you are going to be that? Yeah, right. Exactly. If that's all you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You can fly back to town and hang out like a ghost in a sheet. But 
What is the point when you can no longer be seen? You can only be heard by what you It is. It's like, and I feel like, yeah. If you've left your home and come back, like you should, you 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 did belong there at some point, so you know what that feels like. And then when you go back, you just kind of sit there with this like shit-eating grin and mm-hmm. try really hard, but you you just don't feel like you're part of it. And that's kind of like what I meant by the ghost in the sheet. I don't know if that like. No, it comes across, and also like that feeling yeah. of like then you kind of leave almost like embarrassed or almost feeling guilty that you didn't feel at home, you know, that you didn't yeah. feel like this is where you're supposed to be. It's very, it's right. very strange. We haven't mentioned I Don't Want to Want to. It's a great closing track. I kind of think that the bookend of uh, Swallowing Swords and I Don't Want to Want to, uh, the first one is an Orinda song and the second one is a Maria song, right? That kind of works out nicely. Yeah. That it that it's like one of you starts it and one of you ends it. But they both sort of, you know, they're both sort of style setters in a way. Good love. Keep us from changing. Good love. Keep us from fucking this up. Good love. You know, the first song has the, well, you know it when you see it. And the last song has, um, could love keep us from changing? Could love, uh, keep, could love keep us from fucking up? That really, that really hit me like a brick. And then just could love. I love those sort of lyrics that sort of fragment that way, where you end up with a phrase like could love that, fits in this context of the song but it almost feels like it's like a i don't know it's like it's something breaking down it's like you're breaking a phrase down to like what's the essential part of this phrase and could love is the is the essential question there is that a conscious thing when you're picking about like the track list on an album like what's going to open it what's going to end it is did it just feel like you were kind of going back and forth between the two of you, or did you have a real conscious decision about like what made those songs good, good opening songs or closing songs? Uh, I just, I feel like I kind of have a knack for, uh, sequencing. Yeah. I used to always give it to my friend, Nick Freitas, because he also has a knack. So I used to send always my records to him and just let him sequence them. But I started thinking, I, I, I think I've got a knack at it. And I, I don't know. It just like, it made sense to me. I was like, I think this is how it should be. And I sent it to Arenda and she's like, I 100% agree. I'm like, sweet. That was done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I have a friend that's also, I'm not good at it, but I have a friend who is same Ryan Grayface uh, (laughs) from Grayface (laughs) records. And I usually send him my records to to order. Um, But I didn't even do that this time. So I was just like, she got it. Yeah. (laughs) It's done. Is there anything else about this album, any tracks that we haven't mentioned that stand out to you that you'd like to highlight or just anything that you feel like we haven't, haven't hit on? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we, if we, if we touched on the fact that, you know, so much that I don't know if it's like important, but that we've known each other for almost 30 years and went to the same high school and have been in touch for all this time. I think there's something special about that. Like about all all three of us. Yeah, you know, like, I feel like we barely touched on that. No, it is Um, interesting. Like, I look back on that school, the Alabama School of Fine Arts that we all attended. I look back on it as like with mixed feelings on some days. But in general, I'm like, you know, it's I've never stopped feeling like an art school kid since like seventh grade. What was your what was your major? I was visual arts. Okay. Yeah. Do you still paint? You know, I haven't done much. I doodle occasionally, and I, and I have all these ideas that I'm like, I would need to set up like a, I would need to, I would need to make space for that. 
you know, and literally and figuratively in my life. I would need to yeah. say, because it got to be this thing where I felt like I was not really, my heart wasn't as invested in that as it was other things. Like music and audio has become much more of a thing for me as I've gone along. But I think that none of us really stuck with our major in no, that respect. No, that's, that's, that's interesting too. Like, yeah, I, I was theater, Maria was dance, like. And we all found That's music. That's kind of funny. So now we're all here in the music world. All right. Well, you're both, you're two of my favorite people, whether you know it or not. And this has been so fun. So, uh, um, you know, let's uh, let's end on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> Before we all start fighting. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, I love you both. And uh, thank you so much. This has been we really awesome. We love you too. Thank so you so fun. much. Bye-bye. Bye, John. Bye. Baby, I don't want to, want to, give it up. Baby, I don't want to, want to, give it It's National Wine Day, by the way. Oh, I'm drinking gin. I thought that was already the other day.